You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the fabulous Feinstein's 54 Below. Before we get started this evening, just a polite reminder, please take this moment to silence your cell phones. Also, there is no flash photography, please. Welcome to the Feinstein's 54 Below podcast, where we take you behind the scenes at Broadway Supper Club. I'm Kevin Ferguson, the club's assistant programming director, and our guest today is a triple threat actor, singer, dancer, who always brings his signature style to Feinstein's 54 Below, offering a little song, a little dance, and a whole lot of love. This Tony Award nominee, Tony Yazbek, has starred in 10 Broadway shows, including On the Town, Gypsy, Pensive Broadway, so many things. Next up, Tony is planning on playing Cary Grant in the new Broadway musical Flying Over Sunset, opening this fall at the Vivian Beaumont Theater. Everybody, help me welcome the one, the only, Tony Yazbek. Welcome, Tony. Hi, Kevin. Thank you for welcoming me. Appreciate it. This is so exciting. I have seen your show at 54 Below a couple times because I used to work uh, with the front door team and the box office. So I used to watch your show through the screen. You're just so talented. I'm so excited to get to chat with you. Oh, thank you. Thanks, Kevin. I, uh, you got to see me in many evolutions. I've come to 54 many times through the years. I'll never forget the first time I was there. And you probably saw me all nervous pacing by the front door or something before my first entrance. Never had done it before. No, you've never looked nervous to me. You've always well, been a star. Thanks. And yeah, growing up a theater kid, tap dance was like my favorite thing. So seeing you do your thing is always so exciting. But we'll I talk love, all about the yeah, tap I love, dance thing. Thank you. Thank you. I love putting song and dance on the stage. It's really fun. Mm-hmm. It's a small stage, but you get to jam pack with a lot of energy. Yeah, you do it so gracefully. It's so crazy. I tried to tap dance on the 54 Below stage one time and almost flew off the stage. So you you nail it. It's such a tight space. But we're going to talk all about your show and all about your tap dancing. But first, let's just talk about this feeling of coming out of 2020 and getting back on a stage. Is the 54 Below stage for your show going to be your first time getting back on a stage since the pandemic? Or have you been able to get back on one and How's that been since the shutdown? Well, I've been on a few stages. Uh, the, the The first time I've had a stage with an audience was actually recently, about a week and a half ago, in in Napa Valley region, 
and it was about a couple hundred people outside in the middle of a vineyard. So it wasn't quite a theater, but <laughs> wow, seeing live faces for the first time. But it's been 18 months since mm. uh, Flying Over Sunset was shut down. Wow. That that I'm finally seeing actual faces and not a Zoom recording. Mm -hmm. um, and then the second time was just recently in the Hamptons doing a Crazy For You concert out there with Susan Stroman. But uh, this one, for me, this is the first time with an audience in New York City. And uh, it's going to be quite emotional for me because New York is my city. It's been my city since I was a kid, uh, since I first did my first Broadway show with Gypsy, in Gypsy with Tyne Daly. I've seen so many evolutions of this city. And I've seen it be down and out, and I've seen it be thriving. And uh, we're we're in a place right now where we need some mending. But um, I've seen it come back, and it's going to come back again. And I'm I'm so excited to be a part of it. Yeah, I we are excited to have you back. I feel like everyone is in this weird place of like, wow, I'm getting back on the stage. This is happening, and it's uh, really exciting and a little nerve wracking. But I think mostly everyone is just really excited to finally either get back on a stage or see somebody back on a stage. You know what I mean? I think so. I I I think it's. Um, I think we took a lot of it for granted early on. At least mm -hmm. I did. Um, I've always been one of those actors who just love to work, 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 and sometimes we forget it's not just about the next thing we're doing or whose project is the best sometimes it's really just the simple act of connecting simply with an audience what kind of magic that can that can inspire you know just out of the theater just, just how we can really relate to each other and say you're not alone um, mm -hmm. and so I, I think i think this pandemic you know has brought a lot of silver linings for us in ways, there's been a lot of grief, a lot of loss, a lot of heartbrokenness. But it, but you know what? I, I think we've been able to see some good things. Like we've been able to get closer to our friends and family, and we've been able to see what's most important. And hopefully, as artists, we can instill that into what we're doing on the stage again. I know I am. I know it's even in this this concert that I'm doing at 54, bringing my show there again. I know I have the ability to to look at people differently out there and to share my gift for what I do in a, a much more intimate way, a much more honest way now. Um, so there's definitely silver linings in it all. But yeah, it's been it's been hard. Wow, we are so excited to come back as Broadway starts to amp up again and audiences get excited. Well, there's these beautiful venues like 54 Below, which is classic New York, that um, we're all going to be excited to be performing in again. Look, the food is great there. The drink is great. People are going to come and have a good time. I get to sing and dance for them. So I'm honored. Yeah. You said, you know, Broadway coming back. That is such a crazy idea. I think everyone is still wrapping their brain around the fact that Broadway went away somewhere and now it's coming back. Is there a show? since Broadway is now coming back, uh, apart from your own, that you're a part of, that you're excited to see or see happen or excited to come to Broadway? I mean, I'm, I'm excited about all of them. I, I, mm -hmm. I, I'm Absolutely. trying to think. I mean, there's, there's some special ones. The, I, I think I, I had seen Hadestown the year, the year before the pandemic sort of mm -hmm. hit, and that, that really hit me on a lot of different levels with what we're going through. I think it's very of this time. Mm -hmm. I'd love to see company coming back. 
not just because of some diva performances in there, but for what it really means to to be with each other again. I I don't think I know personally I'm not quite used to having a group of people around me and feeling that comfortable and and I want to I want mm -hmm. to feel that intimacy yeah. with with people again. Um, but to celebrate what it means to to have community and any show that celebrates community in one form or another it has a vote in my book. So I'm excited. I'm real excited. Yes. And that sense of community, that is definitely something that a lot of people on this podcast have brought up. The idea of Broadway's community just feeling very much like a family and feeling much tighter as a group than a lot of other industries, you know, the community of theater supporting each other. Now, where did you learn that you know, idea of the community and everything. Were you always a theater kid? When did you start dancing? When did you start performing? Well, community to me actually came from Broadway. Um, I had a mm -hmm. really tough upbringing. I started dancing when I was four. Thank God I had dance to turn to, uh, to express myself, to... It was almost like a therapeutic outlet for me before I ever felt any kind of spirituality or anything like that. I used it as a simple form of therapy I, I, as a kid because I, I had a sort of a chaotic childhood. We moved around a lot. Parents got divorced when I was 11 and I did my first Broadway show. I always count Broadway. It's you know, not just that gypsy family, but Broadway as my second family. I always say it because I always feel at home and I never want to leave it. And I feel isolated when I'm, when I'm not around it. Whether I'm doing anything else in the world, traveling or, you know, it, even if it's something for TV or, or film, it it's not the same. It's mm -hmm. not the same kind of community. It's going to be insane to feel that first day of rehearsal going back to flying over sunset and seeing all these wonderful, talented faces in the room and knowing we're about to put on a show for the first time. Um, it's just part of my identity. It's, yes. it's where I belong. And frankly, I owe so much to my Broadway community. And I, it, I think there's a responsibility in all of us, but, but I just look at myself going, it's, it's my responsibility to uplift the rest of us in my, in my community, to accept us, to, to feel a togetherness mm -hmm. so that there's no divide, but that, that we're really one strong union um, of Broadway performers, actors, crew members, musicians, we have a message for the world and, and we want to change hearts and minds and we have to be together to do it. And uh, so, yeah, it's, it's definitely been my second family. Yes. Yes. And you know, I, that is, you described it perfectly just now. That is also what I feel from theater. It, I can go somewhere else, any other industry, and it just does not feel like they're moving as tight of a community as like the theater folks do. And I love that. And not only are we talented, we have a sense of community as the theater folks. That's great. And the fact that you're able to tap into that and that's something that fuels you, it reads so much, Tony. When you perform, the energy you give off is just so strong. So you feeling the audience, we're feeling you too. And it's that's just, oh, it's just so exciting to talk to you and hear you saying that kind of Thank stuff. Thank you. Yeah, it, and it, you know, simply put, it's, it's a lot of fun too. I mean, I wouldn't be doing mm -hmm. this for 31 years or whatever I've been doing it professionally now if Ooh. if I wasn't having a blast doing it. 
It's a lot mm-hmm. of work and I've done some really tough jobs. People say, what's the hardest job I ever did before? Well, on the town. I mean, it was the hardest thing I ever had to do. Yeah. You know, sing big legit arias and 10 minute ballets. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, but, but I wouldn't put myself through it and exhaust myself uh, if I didn't have a blast doing it and feel like there was something possibly unearthly spiritually that I was giving to people mm-hmm. and, and shaking them to their core. You know, it's, it's ministry, what we do on stage, no matter what we, what we do, there's, there's part of us that, you know, we've been giving these gifts and I think it's, I think it's up to us to give it back to people. That's, yeah. that's our, that's our path. So, and that's my path. And uh, whether it be a big stage like that or, or a small stage like uh, 54 Below, it's a different message. It's a more intimate feeling of, let me bring you into my living room and, and show you a little bit of what I do in my own studio time and mm-hmm. tell you some stories maybe you haven't heard before yeah. and possibly make you feel like, you know, you're going to be okay. You're not alone. Those simple messages are always the strongest. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. And you just mentioned that on the town was your hardest role. That was one of my questions. But it was hard. But you obviously nailed it. You ended up getting a Tony Award nomination for that. And that is probably one of the most dance elevated shows and singing and dancing. Just that level of intensity. How did you prepare? I was in ballet class for a solid four or five months straight, like wow. uh, almost every day before I started, because I knew this was going to kick my butt. Um, and I'm so glad I did that because I did walk into my first day feeling really in shape, just even um, as a partner in ballet to partner someone like Megan Fairchild, who is with New York City Ballet. Uh, you know, I want to be the, my best and, and my job is to support her and doing a 10 minute ballet where you're throwing her all over the stage, you want to feel in shape. Um, you have a responsibility, a commitment to somebody else. So I wanted to do my part. But at the same time, you know, it was a very collaborative experience. Josh Bergoss was very collaborative as a choreographer. He listened, he wanted to see all of our ideas. And I think that's why he was so great at what he did. Everybody, I mean, it's really just takes a team of people. And that's why I thrived because of the people around me. Other than that, though, I, I just I never knew a role existed like this where you could sing a huge Barry Tenor legit song that was written by Bernstein and then and then, you know, dance three or four ballets that that you don't see that much mm-hmm. in musical theater. So I, I was so happy to find that because I did train classically and I, I was a dancer my whole life. But yes, it was the hardest job I ever had. And, and frankly, I will, I'll never forget, like the last show, we took our bows and I went down to my dressing room and I, I remember just kneeling down on my knees and just sobbing my eyes out. And somebody came mm. in and said, are you okay? I was like, yeah. And they were like, are, you know, what's wrong? I said, I never have to do that again. <laughs> <laughs> it was just the hardest thing <clears throat> I'd ever done. And to the point where I, not, and not just that I, I knew I, I mean, I knew I was going to miss it. I knew it was one of the biggest things I'd ever experienced, but I knew I gave it everything I got. And I knew I would never regret yeah. a moment because I gave it all of my energy. And that's yeah. that's when you're sucking the marrow out of life in theater, when you feel like you've prepared, you've collaborated, you've given it your all, and you committed to the very end. Uh, and I think uh, that that's what makes a good theater artist. 
Yeah, wow. I mean, leading up to On the Town, though, you had so much experience on Broadway with other performances. You started in the 1989 revival of Gypsy and then came back for the 2008 revival. Like you've done Gypsy twice already in different roles. How was that experience for you coming in as a newcomer and then coming back to the same show as somebody with a lot more under their belt? Well, uh, Gypsy has always been my favorite show. And not mm -hmm. just because obviously when you're a kid, you know, people say all the time, things are heightened in life. Your experiences are heightened. Uh, you're much more hypervigilant of things around you. And um, sure, but I, it just so happened that the show I was doing at the time was Gypsy. It was, in fact, arguably the best show created of all time, with the best or overture created of all time. Yes. And so when you're a kid and you get to walk in the theater and you're getting dressed to a five-minute, you know, superstar overture, and you get to listen to that live every night in arguably the best created theater of all time, the St. James Theater, you're, you're a little spoiled. And uh, I didn't know it, but I felt it in my bones. I knew this was special. That show introduced me to an understanding of what storytelling was. Because I'd always wanted to dance and maybe sing. And, and, you know, I played the clarinet at the time. So I was a musical guy, but I didn't know what it meant to tell a story through that. Mm. And these performers did. And I watched them. I, I studied these performers. I studied Tyne Daly. And the reason why I was so excited to study them was because they're, they were such kind, generous people. Mm -hmm. It wasn't just their craft. It was that they took me in and they saw me for me. And so it made me want to know more about them. And that, that is the real secret of, um, of our business is you just have to be a kind person, a generous mm -hmm. person. And uh, you pretty much succeed after that. But um, I watched these people. I watched Tyne. And then I watched Bobby Lambert, who played Tulsa do all I need is the girl every night. And I just thought, this is the best one act, 10 minute scene in, in any show of all, it's got it. It's like, it's amazing. It's beautiful from mm -hmm. beginning to end. And it's always stuck with me. And I always felt like I had, I had the essence of that character in my bones. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know, this, this guy who wasn't seen and didn't have the best childhood and felt like he had a dream and an aspiration in him that no one else believed in but him. Wow. And all of these dreams that were not supported by anyone else. And he let it, he let that secret of a dream in to Louise in an alleyway and said, please don't squash my vulnerability right now, but I'm about to let you in on how much I dream of performing and singing and dancing and expressing myself. Wow. And she kept it close and they 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 formed a bond because you know they they found something they could connect in with each other. They weren't alone. I'd always felt that. Um I think it's beautiful. And so I took that with me as an adult and this show came back and long story short I I fought myself fought my way into the audition room. And I probably wasn't exactly what everyone thought Tulsa looked like, you know, mm -hmm. coming from Oklahoma. I mean, you know, slightly darker skinned, darker eyes, uh, bigger guy, had some muscle on me at the time. I was doing that, a chorus line on Broadway. 
mm-hmm. as Al, the Mary guy, going from that to Tulsa. But I just felt like I knew the character, and I, I was grateful to to know that Arthur Lawrence believed in that as well, and and took a chance on me. And mm-hmm. it was uh, sort of a role of a lifetime at that point. Yeah. Um, the, the crazy thing is, like you know, when you when you actually conquer your dreams and you play like your dream role at that time, it's hard to know what comes next. You have to start creating new dreams and figuring out what do you really want to do on this earth? How do you want to give back and help people? And how do you do that through your art? So uh, that was that was the next journey was what to do after that, because uh, I sort of felt like I conquered the whole gypsy lifelong child childhood dream thing. Yeah, definitely. I feel like that is such an amazing story. And it's only one of your several amazing stories you have. Like, is there, was there a mentor in those early days that you remember? Are you still in contact with them? Or were you kind of just learning the ropes on your own? I've had so many mentors through the years, you know, my, my dance teachers, my first dance teacher, God rest her soul, Miss Jean Mikesell, Miss Jean's School of Dance Arts in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. All right. Uh, those people believed in me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Little tiny dance students still thriving. And uh, my modern teacher in college, Doug Betts, who taught me mm-hmm. how to breathe. And yes. realizing that the breath is everything. The breath is everything. Without mm-hmm. the breath, we have nothing as artists. Mm-hmm. But some early mentors, too, for me were... Um, Bill T. Jones, uh, you know, being able to assist him in a few projects. And he challenged me and woke me up to what real art can be. Tina Landau has completely inspired me through her concept of viewpoints. And I take that with me in everything I do. Susan Stroman now, the ability to collaborate with someone who's always prepared, yet always gracious and kind in every scenario. And how you can be both. Mm. You can be talented and insanely creative and yet kind and generous. You can. Um, And so all of these people have helped to mold what kind of art I want to bring out into the world. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Well, I just feel it is reciprocated. The energy and all the knowledge and everything that was given to you, we, we can see it. And even writers for the New York Times can see it. I'm going to get this, I'm going to read this quote directly from it because I don't want to mess it up. But there was uh, Ben <laughs> Brantley in the New York Times compared you to Fred Astaire and Gene Kelly and said, you are a complete romantic dancing actor or acting dancer who is expressive with your twirls and jetés as with your face and voice. How does hearing stuff like that about yourself, being compared to Fred Astaire and Gene Kelly and being compared to this romantic dancer, do you do you connect with that? Do you feel that? Do you agree? How do you feel when you saw that? You know, they're obviously my inspirations. Fred and Gene were always the first ones. Then Gregory Hines was a, a huge one when I got into my teens and watched how someone like that could dance. I put, you know... What we all do, especially as tap dancers, all we do is steal things. We just take, <laughs> we take things from people we see, mm-hmm. and we try to make them our own. And we mm-hmm. say they're that they're ours. They're not. They're they're stolen from, from our past generations and ancestors. And um, all I can do is learn from what I like and what I don't like, and take it on. And uh, sometimes when I was younger, I always felt like, oh, I was born in the wrong era because of what I do. But at the same time. I feel a need for it in the current 
climate and where we are, whether it be using dance to just produce joy and happiness or take it dramatically somewhere where, you know, someone's in despair and needs to crawl out of it. Whether it, whatever it be, you know, I, I always send up a salute to these great people that have influenced me. You know, I, I, do I think I'm as good of a dancer as these people? No, 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 no. I think that I've understood how to tell a story through it. Mm. And that's what people latch on to most. I mm -hmm. think, I think that's what being a good dancer is though. It's not about kicking your head or doing 17 turns. Cause guess what? I can't do any of that. I used to kick my head, but I can't, you know, I don't even try anymore. I, I just try to tell the story. I make you believe I can. Mm -hmm. And that illusion, that, that a story that is filled with vulnerability and honesty is leaps and bounds better than someone who can technically smash it on the dance floor. Because it's the same thing as hearing mm -hmm. somebody sing a high note after two bars of music. What else are we looking at? We want to feel something. We want to be connected. We want to find that interesting quality that makes us want to sit back and listen for two hours. Mm -hmm. And so I just focus on that. I don't try to focus on being a being the best this and that. Because I mean, if you look at tap dance in general right now, tap dance is through the roof with the, the level of talent. It is gone. I mean, the, the amount of young people who are doing things I could never dream of even today. It's unbelievable. But now I, now I challenge them and I say, okay, now tell a story. Now bring who you are through to it because that's the real yeah. challenge. And if you can meet, if you can marry your skill set to who you are deep down, then you've got something real artistic there. Now, do you mentor anybody or do any, any master classes or anything? Because I feel like this knowledge needs to be told to the children. Oh, it's definitely got to be told to the children. It's it's part of uh, it's part of what we have to do as artists. Mm -hmm. We've got to pass it on. Mm -hmm. um, I do. I love to teach, actually, and um, yeah, I, I enjoy. It. There's a few organizations I've worked with through the years. One of them being the Young Arts Foundation, which is mostly stationed in Miami, but they have different organizations all over the world that they work with, but uh, I'm an alumni with them and I've directed and I've taught with them. Any young person who's in high school, they should definitely go apply for the Young Arts Foundation, wonderful okay. scholarships and programs and everything. But I, I, I do, I, I love it. The, the enjoyment I get out of it is that I, I've watched someone blossom. They come out of their shell. Mm. You know, they release all the demons that have been attacking them through the years, all the people that say they can't do it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's so great to be able to release that from a young person because they got the rest of their lives st mm -hmm. still to go. To watch that, you know, it really it inspires me and it honestly informs everything I do as an actor. I take mm -hmm. it and I realize like, oh, I got more to go. I got more to go here. What else am I going to say? Mm -hmm. um, so I find it to be almost prerequisite. Like the more I perform, you know, the more I realize, okay, now I need to stop and teach and help someone younger understand where to go next. It's like part of my job. Yes, it's how that community keeps growing. You're so knowledgeable of all of this information. You've been in the industry for so long at this point. Do you find any drastic differences between when you first came in and now in any aspect? You said the talent is crazier, but is there any other thing you feel different in the culture? The idea of quote unquote Broadway 
has changed so much in my experience. You know, when I was a kid, you're watching, you know, I'm running from my parking garage to the St. James stage door and it's it's a mucky New York. You know, you got drug dealers and prostitutes mm. and, and it's it's it, the crime rate is high and it's dirty and you don't have any of those flashing lights. It's just a bunch of billboards, no LED signs yet, you know, all and and what's bizarre is I love it. <laughs> <laughs> And I don't don't get me wrong. There's there's nothing wrong with having a safe New York. Yes, we want that. But there's something old school in my heart about New York and Broadway. That do it do it. Did I know it was going to evolve? Yes. But did I want it to evolve in certain ways as much? No. I kind of want that feeling of what Broadway was mm. to stick around. In in some ways it has, and maybe in some ways that's partly my job. I don't know. But it feels like in ways, it feels like there's a little, in my opinion, there's a little too much wink at the audience mm. and, and sort of this this behavior of like, I, I, I don't even know how to say it. it. It feels like an immature wink at the audience, how we're creating. I think this pandemic probably brought it mm -hmm. down a little bit. And we're all just happy to get in there and simply do what we do. But there was something blood, sweat, and tears about old Broadway that I latched onto and wanted to be a part of that is not quite the way it is anymore. It's a little, to me, it's a little more overproduced now. There's probably way too many cooks in the kitchen for every show. And I'm not quite sure about the stories mm. we're telling. You know, we got a million movies that are becoming musicals and some of them are fantastic, mm -hmm. don't get me wrong. I, I just, I, I question the legitimacy of, are, are we truly taking original stories, original ideas, things that we have to tell and putting them, putting them on the stage in a way where the music, the lyrics, the choreography, the direction, the actors can tell it in a way that it changes our viewpoints or uplifts humanity in a way that says we mm -hmm. have to do this. I, I don't know. I mean, it's a constant question I ask myself. Are we just doing Broadway to do it to say, look at look at us belt really mm -hmm. high notes or look at look at us dance or look at us tell a joke. See, we got you laughing. Now mind you, we need to laugh right no. now. I mean if if there was a proponent of a musical comedy, <laughs> it's me. Let's get crazy for you back on the yeah. stage. You know what I mean? Like let's get these big musicals where we just sing and dance and lap our butts off. Mm -hmm. We need it. It's mm -hmm. the climate we need. But that being said, I just, I want us to, I want producers to, yes. to have integrity and be mindful that there are a lot of scripts in the wings by insanely talented writers that are waiting for their shot. Let's give it to them. That's what yes. I think. You know? Yes. Yeah, I think it's amazing that all the new plays on Broadway are written by you know black playwrights i feel like we are definitely in some kind of broadway right. shift right now and i'm excited to see where it goes you know hoping all covidness stays <laughs> calm <laughs> and that's and that's the thing you know we all want to come to the theater but uh we all want to feel like we have a safe yes. theater to come to but i think you know i think the broadway league is doing a great job i, th I think we just ought mm -hmm. to stick together i think the the trick of it is we cannot divide mm. ourselves. We have to figure out a way to point out what is unjust and and look at it and bring all of us together to fix it. 
We cannot divide mm-hmm. anymore. As long as we're in that sort of energy shift, we're we're going to make it. We're going to kill it, and uh, we're going to evolve into a better mm-hmm. a better community. Well, you're definitely going to bring us together at Fine Science Fifty Four Below. Can we? Can you talk a little bit about uh, how exciting <laughs> that show is going to be? Do you have some uh, set list secrets you can let us know about, or are you keeping it all surprise? Well, no, I you know through the years I used to. I used to have a long script and all these things I used to say, but nowadays uh, I just enjoy the audience so much. Um, I pick a bunch of songs that I think the audience for that day is going to need to hear. And then uh, we just kind of talk. I like to banter. I like to connect with the audience. I like to keep it light. And nowadays I I really just want to put a smile on people's faces. Mm-hmm. So I want, I want joy to kick in. I want people to know that, uh, that not only are artists like me working on their craft still so that they can be happier, but that uh, that we're all in it together. So part of my mission in doing a solo show is to sort of wake, like, wake your soul up, wake your spirit up to know that like it's got energy. I like to infuse energy in people's souls uh, when I sing and when I tap. And and sometimes when I tap dance, it's, it's interesting. You look out in the audience and they just they actually... <laughs> They actually physically wake up. <laughs> like, yeah. Like they, it's like if they were just kind of expecting something. Part of them feels a shift and a surprise and a jolt to the system. That's that's yeah. that's the part I love. I love uh, I love waking yeah. I waking those spirits. Yeah, up. I definitely always make the jokes with my friends who are in the audience. I can see you too. I can see your face. Like, I don't know if y'all think just because I'm the one on stage, I can't see you, but I can see how you're reacting. And it's always nice to see the audience giving That's right. you the energy that you're giving them and everyone's just having a good time. I think we're really looking forward to your show at 54. Right. Do you have any like special guests, surprise guests, or is that all? Is it just going to be Tony in the stage? We might have, yes, I might have some surprise guests. I can't say what it is because everyone's got like of course, schedules, of TV schedules, going to make sure everyone's not shooting something. Everyone's so <laughs> damn talented. So I have to make sure um, they're free. But I'm hoping, I'm hoping to bring up a guest that might uh, sing a tap with me, Ooh. hopefully. hopefully. Uh, but uh, that being said, yeah, I, but honestly, my set list is sort of a plethora of things. Right now, I do a lot of Gershwin because, frankly, it just gives me a lot of joy. And um, I think we, we're in the mood for that. Uh, but I do take a, a few things from my first album, The Floor Above Me, and, and that's still in the show. But maybe some newer songs as well. I haven't even – we might even learn a couple songs between now and and uh, the 21st. So uh, I'm, I'm open. I, I've, I've always challenged myself to see how tap dance can tell story or forward story that is uh, maybe a pop song or something that is a little more contemporary than than uh, your, your standard yeah. classic song. So – I'm always looking for a a, yeah. a new way to do that. So maybe that'll that be That is so too. exciting. I I mean, you are so talented. You act, you sing, you dance. Can you tell our listeners a fun skill that you have that a lot of people probably don't know? Tony Yazbek is also really strong at. Hmm. <laughs> is it cooking? Is it painting? Let's see, you guys. Or are you strong? Well, I did uh, last last summer. I mean, I'm I wasn't good, but now I'm good. Uh, last summer, um, my wife and I redid our entire kitchen. We knocked down a wall, and we completely gutted our kitchen with the help of a a, a great friend of ours, Chris Johnstone, who helped design it. And um, we did a full on DIY kitchen yes. rental. Everything gutted, 
And I never thought I could do anything mm-hmm. like that in my life. But when you when you're in a pandemic, you have some <laughs> just time a little, to just a little time. And uh, we did it. We did it much way cheaper than hiring people. Mm-hmm. Thank God. And um, well, and that has changed my All life. Right. Uh, and put a newfound respect on people who mm-hmm. work with their hands and can craft and like build houses. It's just that's just a beautiful wow. art form to me. And so I have I have deep mm-hmm. respect for that. Oh wow! Look at that acting, singing, dancing, home renovation. Tony Asbeck does it all. Everyone, is there a role that you feel like <laughs> you still really want to play? A bucket list kind of role, even if you know it's kind of like a miscast. Do you have one? Sure. Um, one that I, I think that I could sink my teeth into, um, I almost got the chance to do it a few years back, uh, is George and Sunday in the Park with George. Wow. Um, I've always been attracted to this musical. I've been listening to it since I was a kid. Um, and there's there's something that I keep reconnecting to and finding new meaning and finding a deeper resonance in as I get older, being an artist and and understanding how to give all of your energy to your art, but also all of your energy to your relationships. It's <laughs> the same time. And, and that, that sort of that balance, that juxtaposition and how you work all of that has been um, a really interesting way of, I, I, I don't know. I just, I, I've always wanted to sink my teeth into that role and see what else I could find to that. Um, Part of me selfishly just wants to mm. grow more as a person by playing that part. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, the music is stunning. James Lapine, who I'm working with now at Flying Over Sunset, he knows it's like my favorite yeah. show right now. I got to see the uh, the revival, the the London cast revival back in, at the at 54 Below, but not 54 Below, mm-hmm. Studio 54, uh, years ago. Just cried my eyes out the entire yeah. show. People in the row were looking at me like, <laughs> this guy is having a moment. <laughs> just, and it just hit me like a ton of bricks. And, it, you know, the song Sunday, oh, my gosh. If there's not a song, an anthem that, that hits me so hard about where we're at as a community through this pandemic and how we just simply want to be, they, we just want to be together in peace, in one community, to be able to experience what life has to offer um, in a simple way, it's right now. And, uh, that song Sunday to me is all oh. about that. It's such a beautiful yes. song. So I could totally yeah, you see know? you killing that role, like nailing it. Definitely. We got to make that happen. Who do we got to call? What, what phone numbers we got to dial to make sure we see Sunday in the park again. <laughs> I mean, you got some rich friends. We got to, we got to get some Anybody who owns a theater, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of factors. No, there. we got we got to get you to do Flying Over Sunset first because I know everyone is really excited about that. It was That's shut right. down during the pandemic, so you got to do that. Was there was there a weird feeling during the pandemic, just like being paused? Did it feel like that at all? Well, yeah, because we were supposed to have our first preview that the night we got shut <gasps> down. We were supposed to have our first audience. We've been rehearsing for six weeks, and and we were supposed to put a preview on at 7 p.m. And at 12.30, we were shut down. We were in our rehearsal. Oh. And, I mean, the entire cast was heartbroken because you should have seen the, the faces as we go through the stage door thinking, we have a show tonight. We can't wait to show them our, you know, our first shot at this. And we're being called into the auditorium. And 
what we thought was going to be three weeks ended up being now 18 months, 19 months. Yeah, it was, it was tough because, you know, I had, I felt like we had a product that we could, we were really proud of and I was really in shape. <laughs> and, and, uh, you know, a couple months later, I didn't feel as in shape <laughs> and I felt like what's going to happen to our show. And well, I even, you know, all those, all those feelings and, and those doubts raged through your head as this pandemic went on about, will Broadway ever come back? Will I, will I ever do what I love again on stage? We've been just so isolated. I mean, we can all relate to all of the demons that have hit us through this, through the isolation and the fear and the doubt. And we've all had friends and family who have passed away from this. And um, it's just been really hard. So just simply coming back to anything right now um, makes me the happiest person ever. Uh, yeah, so I'm excited. Well, well, we are the happiest people ever here at Fine Science 54 Below because we know how busy you are and we know how crazy life has been getting back on a stage. So the fact that you're coming back, I know people are so excited. Like this, I'm excited for sure. I'll be there cheering you on. I think everyone do yourself a favor and go get tickets to Tony's show at 54 Below. It's going to be on September 21st and September 22nd at 7 p.m. The box office is open. They will help you. Tony, is there anything you want to say about your show before we head out? No, I mean, if you guys want to have a good time, have some good food and drink, and watch some good singing and tap dancing, um, come hang out with me. Yeah, come time. hang out with Tony. Let's, let's party. party. Let's, let's get to... Let's get together yes. again, people. All right. Well, you heard it here. You can catch Tony Yazbek on September 21st and 22nd at 7 p.m. at Fine Signs 54 Below. Come and enjoy an intimate evening of your musical favorites to brighten up your spirits, y'all, and infuse joy into your soul, okay? If you didn't feel that, I don't know how you're going to feel anything, okay? Get your tickets. Tony, this has been so <laughs> right. exciting right. talking to you. Do you have any social media plugs that you would love to tell people to follow you on? Yeah, sure. I'm, I'm on uh, Instagram and, and Twitter. You can find me there. Tony Aspic official, I think. Yeah. Something like that. All right. I don't know. I'm checkmark. Right. You'll find me. All right. And I'm your host, <laughs> Kevin Ferguson. You can find me on all social media platforms under Kevin Ferg underscore. Tony, it was so nice chit-chatting with you. Pleasure, Can't Kevin. Thank you, you so much. Stage. Thanks again. You've been listening to the Fine Science 54 Below podcast, part of the Broadway Podcast Network. Subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.